0: Well, good morning it's great to have you here on this uh fall day we have a couple of very important guests with us today and i saw him earlier and at least chris davis chris wave at me where are you there he is all right and i don't see roger is probably with dawn down in our children's ministry Folks, yesterday across the street at Clark Summit University, uh, Coach Chris Davis and Coach Roger Jacobs were honored for their years of service at Clark Summit University, and the soccer field was named after both of them. And uh, so, yeah. Chris, good to see Good to see you and uh, Karen, and it's and, uh, and great to have you back uh, for a day. Uh, but it's, uh, wow, it was, a, it was a great thing, and you be sure to, to let them know of your appreciation for that uh, if you can. Hey, and we had a great men's breakfast yesterday. I got to be there for just a little bit because then went over. They had that special time for Chris and Roger and wanted to be there as well. But uh, we talked. And and ladies, um, this is an announcement for you. Uh, Our men's retreat is coming up uh, in a few weeks, the first weekend of November. And uh, we've got some really special things planned for that. But along with this coming Saturday, we've been talking with you about my circle training. It's evangelism training. And uh, we're doing... Uh, A segment of that down at Steamtown Church um, starting at 9 o'clock. Tony, we're, right? 9? 9. You got it. And uh, folks, it's a great opportunity and so ladies, if you're not at, uh, at doing whatever else and you can make that or men, if you're not for some unbelievable reason not able to make the men's retreat, I can't imagine what that would be, but If that happens, then that would be some great training. Folks, we continue to want to equip you to do the work of the ministry, and that has to do with knowing how to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those who need Christ. And so that's the opportunity next Saturday morning at Steamtown Church at 9, and then men, the first weekend of September, the 3rd and 4th of November, not September, excuse me, that's gone, right? Uh, November, it'd be a great time, and we're going to have uh, more of that. It would be a, the, the, not the, quite the same thing, a little bit uh, more lengthy, but we're looking forward to that opportunity. And the first 25 guys who sign up get a $20 discount, so that's a great opportunity. That would be a good thing for you, so please keep that in mind. All right, let me pray. I want you to continue to remember of course, Pat and Helen Scarfo's son, Pat, who is waiting for a heart, needs a, uh, a heart transplant. And uh, so we need to be praying, continue to do that. And then we got word again this past week, uh, Bob and Karen Kirby's granddaughter, Eliana, uh, was back in the hospital a week ago, back home, but continue to pray for her and her health and her kidney and her mom and dad. And um, let me pray. Father, we need you always. God, we think of these special situations that sometimes our medical world has no answers for. Father, you are the great physician, and I pray for your healing power For little Eliana, God strengthen her, encourage her mom and dad, and for Bob and Karen, his grandparents, I pray for her healing. And God, I pray for a heart for Pat. Lord, um, only you can take care of all those needs, and so I pray that you would provide the heart that Pat needs and keep him strong until that happens and father i pray for our church i pray that as we study through the leadership as what the bible says about the leadership of the church i pray god for your wisdom and understanding and father even as we seek to be equipped to do the work of the ministry to share the gospel father would you burden our hearts to know even more about how we can effectively proclaim the gospel that the Spirit of God takes and uses in the hearts of people who need Jesus. And uh, I pray that we would be concerned about the shortness of time. God, I want to pray for the peace of Israel. Lord, uh, we don't know all of what's going on, but a serious situation and So God, I pray that we, as your people here, would sense the urgency of the hour. That life can't just go on as normal. It won't. God, help us to lean on you. Help us to live for you. Help us to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. For it's in his name I pray. Amen. Came across a quote in my study this week that I thought was very appropriate to where we are. Um, And so I'm going to read this to you. My feelings are not God. God is God. Think of your feelings, all right, and how we often allow them to control us. That's why my feelings are not God. God is God. My feelings do not define truth God's Word defines truth. My feelings are echoes and responses to what my mind perceives. And sometimes, many times, my feelings are out of sync with the truth. When that happens, and it happens every day in some measure, I try not to bend the truth because we can do that, right? Try not to bend the truth to justify my imperfect feelings. But rather I plead with God, purify my perceptions of your truth and transform my feelings so that they are in sync with the truth. John Piper in his book, Finally Alive. Folks, that, that's a critical need in our lives is to make sure we base what we believe not on our feelings but on the truth. You know we have often we often have beliefs and convictions about specific issues. You pick the issue. And we we are convinced that we are right that our beliefs are true and accurate that we what we believe is uh, is based on what the Bible teaches. And yet sometimes our beliefs are actually based on our own personal preferences or opinions, long-standing traditions or feelings, or simply, well, that's just the way I've always believed. And I I need you to think with me this morning. Don't just kind of sit and let your mind go. No, stay focused and... Someone may come along and suggest a different way, a different perspective, a different position on a specific issue, and uh, when we hear that, we sometimes simply dismiss it as, well, that's not what I believe," or they're wrong, I'm right, and that's the end of it and and This morning, I want to make sure that as we continue our study of the leadership of the church that you understand the importance of always looking at God's truth, his word, and never being afraid to make sure that what we believe or how we feel is in line with God's truth. Because I'm sure if we think about it enough, we can all come up with an instance in time when We have based what we believe on what we thought was true, not willing necessarily to review and see, is that really what the Word of God says? And it's not just about the leadership of the church, that's our study, but it's about a lot of things that we believe that are very clear in Scripture. So this morning, I want you to remember this as we begin, Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, and I'll... Bring it to your attention at the end of our message as well, but we're told now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Now, in the context, Paul was giving them the gospel in Berea. He had just been in Thessalonica and had to leave the city because of some potential persecution, came to Berea and gave the message of the gospel. And the people received it eagerly, but they examined the scriptures every day. The Jews, were told, did that to see if what Paul was saying was true. And I'd encourage you, whether it's me or anybody else you hear teaching the truth of the word of God, to dig into the scriptures yourself and examine them to see if you make sh- what, what was said, what you heard is true. So let me ask you, with that said this morning, do you know what the Bible teaches about the leadership of the church? No, Really? Do do you know what the Bible teaches? Not what you think or what you've heard or what you've understood for years, but do you really know what the Bible teaches about the leadership of the church? That's why our study, who's in charge here, as we talk about that, the leadership of the church is, is critical for us to understand, and not only do we know what the Bible teaches, but... Can you explain and or defend what you believe? Uh, That's what we just put Mitch through a couple Tuesdays ago, right? On his ordination service to make sure, Mitch, what do you believe? And do you know how can you defend what scripture says? We all need to be able to do that. Know what the Bible says and explain it and defend it. And so as we talk through that this morning, I want you to search. You know, we talk about the Great Commission. We talk about what Matthew chapter 28 says, it says Jesus told the disciples to go make disciples and and to actually, as a church, that's we believe that's our mission, to make disciples of all nations. We do that in three ways. We have to go and let the word be known and then we have to baptize and then we teach to obey. We teach to obey. Not just teach, teach to obey. That means that as we teach in a way that people understand so that they understand the need to obey Scripture, but then that puts a responsibility on us as well to obey what we're taught. So we need to know Scripture this morning, and I want you, as a result of what we do this morning, we're going to give you a, a lot of content. And I want you to search the Bible to see if what I share with you today is true. Not, not that you shouldn't think that it's not. He <laughs> what, what are you going to say? <laughs> you say, you're setting yourself up so that... No, I, I just want to make sure that you understand what I'm saying is I work hard to make sure it's what I believe the Bible says, but you need to make sure you understand what Scripture says. So, open your Bibles with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 11, if you don't have a hard copy of the scriptures or you don't have your phone or tablet, if you want a Bible to hold underneath the chair in front of you, there should be one, page 815 in that Bible. And uh, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. So as we talk about the leadership of the church, two, two things this morning, number one, who are they? And number two, what do they do? Number one, who are the leaders that we read about in scripture? Well, there's three major titles that we use and refer to. If you've been here any length of time, this may be a little bit of review for you, but I think we need to continue to understand what Scripture says. Folks, the days are getting more and more confusing, confusing. There's all kinds of people coming up with new ideas about what they think. Well, this isn't culturally the same anymore. So we need to think about how that may be different for us, and we've got to be very careful when we look at God's truth, the Word of God, and make sure we understand what it says. Folks, I can't emphasize enough the importance of you knowing the Word of God. We say that all the time. Listen, I I just saw it this morning. I, I knew it was going on yesterday. I saw the news, but I checked this morning, and I don't know if it came out last night, but they... Israel has officially declared war. First time since 1973. And it's like, wow. I don't know about you, but you begin to feel that something's happening with what the Bible teaches. And and Israel is right at the heart of God's plan for the future. And uh, don't Jump to conclusions. Make sure you know what the Bible says. Don't say, well, oh, now that that's happened, Jesus can come. No. Jesus can come anyway. Anytime, right? We got to know what the Bible says. So anyway, Ephesians chapter 4. And the first title, who are these leaders? Well, the pastor shepherd. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, Paul says this, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. There it is, the pastor and teacher, the pastor, the shepherd. Now, um, pastor is the Latin word for shepherd, because this word pastor in Ephesians 4.11 is actually translated shepherd, but we use the word pastor. That's just where we've been, And, and this is the only place in the New Testament where you will find the word pastor or shepherd used as a noun to describe the leadership of the church. All of the other times we see shepherding uh, or pastoring in your English translation, it's in a verb form. So here's the one, but this is the title. The pastor, teacher, to act as a shepherd. Think of Psalm 23. I think it was a couple of years ago when we studied through Psalm 23 and saw what a shepherd does. The Lord is my shepherd. And God calls the leaders of the church, the local church, he calls them pastors or shepherds in Scripture. And there's a number of places where that's used in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders, and I'll get to that term in just a bit. But uh, as he's talking to those elders in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, he says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock. That's a shepherd reference, right? The flock, shepherds take care of the sheep, over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Here's the word. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. That's the word we translate pastor. All right. Um, First Peter chapter five and verse two. And we can find the same thing. We just went through first Peter a few weeks ago. But here in first Peter chapter five, well, verse uh, one to the elders among you. And that's another term I said we'll get to in just a minute. I appeal as a fellow elder, verse 2, be shepherds of God's flock. That's a verb there. He's literally saying, Peter's saying, you as an elder are to shepherd God's sheep, the flock, the church. That's who he's talking about. Watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. And then one more, uh, well, those reference, we'll leave it at that, but, but where that word is used, that's one of the titles. That's a title that we use most often. Think the interesting fact about that is that that is the word that is used the least amount of times in the New Testament to describe the leaders of the church, pastor. All right? Secondly, and the next t- t- uh, title who are they, overseer or bishop, depending on your English translation of the Bible. First Timothy chapter 3, and you can uh, hold on and get there. But Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul says to Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people, that's the church in Philippi, uh, in Christ Jesus at Philippi together with the overseers and deacons. There's our second term. We had pastor, shepherd. We have here overseer or bishop. Uh, Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, I just read for you when it mentioned the word be shepherds. But here at the beginning of that verse, keep watch over yourselves. Paul's talking to the elders of plural, of the church singular in Ephesus. And he says to those elders Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And then 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And this is uh, the passage of Scripture that has one of the two primary passages in the, in the Bible that has the requirements, the qualifications for the pastor, shepherd, for the overseer or bishop. And again, as I said, depending upon your english translation of the bible it 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 will read differently but here's what we read in first timothy chapter two or three verses one and two in the in the new international version here is a trustworthy saying whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task you may be used to hearing that translated whoever decides uh, desires, the office of a bishop desires a good thing. Bishop and overseer, same word, and it just translated differently. And so then you, there you have verse two. Now the overseer or the bishop is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife. And you can go on down to verse through verse seven and see the requirements, the qualifications for any man who's planning to be or desires to be. an overseer, a bishop, or again, as we said, the word pastor. And the idea of overseer means to watch over, stresses the ideas of official oversight, protection, supervision, management, to look over. The word scope, episkopos is in there, uh, the Greek word, but the idea of microscope Right, and, and or a telescope, and it's the idea of looking over. That's the word overseer. And then the third word is elder. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 17, we've been in that text, uh, but there in verse 17 when Paul is getting the elders, he says, verse uh, 17, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church right? There's that word. And then that's when he goes on, and we're going to look at the text a little bit later as we move on through Acts chapter 20, that he calls these same elders, he calls them bishops, and he says, and they're doing the work of a shepherd or a pastor. We see the word elder also in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1. And there in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1, this is what we read, to the Elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. He's talking about he knew he was a witness of Christ's suffering on the cross. When we talk about what do Pastors and shepherds, what do bishops, overseers, what do elders do? They proclaim the truth of the gospel, that Jesus died in your place, in my place, for my sins, for your sins. That's the gospel. And, and it's important that we understand the responsibility to proclaim the truth fact that Christ died on the cross for our sins he was buried and he rose again proving he was the Son of God and the one who would forgive our sin here elders again Titus chapter 1 verses 5 and 6 Titus chapter 1 verses 5 and 6 and this is what we read Paul says to Titus he says the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as i directed you an elder must be blameless faithful to his wife and on we go down in verse 7 we already looked at since an overseer manages again using the term elder for calling them also an overseer because these words, as we talked about when we went through 1 Peter 5, are synonymous. They're referring to the same individual. Um, Vine's complete expository dictionary of New Testament words says this. That's a big title for this quote. But for the church today, it most commonly refers to the word elders. Those appointed to have the spiritual care of and to exercise oversight over the churches, emphasizing their maturity of spiritual experience. That's the word elder. And uh, I have on the screen for you, and if you're taking notes, th- these are other uses of the term elder in scripture. You can dig through your own uh, and do your own study, but Acts chapter 11, verse 30 chapter 14 verse 23 most of chapter 15 acts chapter 15 verses 2 to 23 acts chapter 16 verse 4 acts chapter 21 verse 18 talks about what an elder does or uses that terminology titus 1 5 james 5 14 also and they are some of the other we didn't want to take the time to go this morning through each and every one of those. But as we talk about, pastor, shepherd, overseer, bishop, and here, elder. They are the terms that are used. Elder is the word that is used most often in the New Testament for the position we call pastor. You say, well, why don't we use that word? Well, we'll we'll talk about that as we continue on through our study. And uh, so there you have it. Those are other scriptures. Now, there's a fourth word that typically we don't talk about, but it's used, and and we've referred to it, and that is the word leader, because in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, verse 17, and verse 24, uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews talks about your leaders. He's talking about your spiritual leaders. Now, I'm not going to dig into that this morning, but if you will check out, uh, Hebrews chapter thirteen, verse seven, verse seventeen, and verse twenty-four. If you also want to look and see where it's talking about, it's not the same word for leader, but it's talking about those who are in a leadership over you or authority, those who watch over you. First uh, Thessalonians chapter five and verse twelve, and you get the same idea. First Thessalonians. I don't have that on the screen chapter 5 and verse 12, and you'll see that Paul is referring to those who are over you in the faith. And again, we believe that that has to do with the, the position of leadership in the church that we've been calling pastor shepherd, overseer bishop, or elder. So as you look at those, that will help you. Now, that's who they are. Now, what do they do? So in other words, You, as you think through, okay, what does the pastor shepherd, what does that overseer bishop, what does the elder do in the church? Well, two things. Uh, They live a life of, and I have four thoughts here, and and we're going to look at Acts chapter 20. So if you were there or have your finger or need to go back, go back to Acts chapter 20, because that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning as we look at what the pastor does, what the Bible says, the pastor, the shepherd, the overseer, the elder, what it is that they do in leading the church, leading, shepherding the flock, which is the church. So they live a life of integrity. Look at verse 18. Now here's here's the deal. If you'll see in your Bibles and if you have any subheadings or anything like that, you see up just before verse 13 of Acts chapter 20, Paul's, he says Paul's farewell to the Ephesian elders. And, and so Paul couldn't go inland to Ephesus, so he sent for the pastors, the elders of the church in Ephesus to come meet him because he wanted to talk. You see, Paul planted that church. And now he's talking to them. He's burdened for them. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's not going to see them again. And and when we read through the text, you'll understand. And so here we see verse 17 of Acts 20. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. Verse 18. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came in the province of Asia, you know how I lived. That's one of the qualities that we're talking about: accountability, or excuse me, integrity. Integrity. I, I was going to use the word transparency. Either way, integrity speaks more of the character; transparency more of just how we live. But but the idea of we are what we are all the time. You know, they said the definition for the word integrity is who you are when nobody else is looking. Right? It's easy to be something when everybody's watching. But Paul's saying, you know, you know everything. No matter what I was, you know how I lived. Integrity. The whole time I was with you. Paul's life was an open book as a pastor. He was an elder. He started the church in Ephesus. Now he was never called an elder there. He was an apostle, right? But but he functioned when he started the church at Ephesus as a pastor, as an elder. And so he's writing to the elders that are there now, the church that he started. So integrity, humility. Look at it, verse 19: humility. He says, I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. Pride has no place in the life of a pastor, of an elder, of a bishop, none at all. And, and, and sometimes that's a very difficult thing. Pride is always a battle for all of us, no matter where we are, what we do, but but for for the leader of the church, pride can be a very big battle. Paul talks about, and he's declaring here, I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears." And then thirdly, you go down to verse 20, and I see commitment. Commitment. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. I haven't, I didn't withhold I was committed to the truth. I was committed to you knowing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he talks about that a little bit later on. But he said, I wanted you to know everything. I didn't hold back anything of the truth. I gave you the whole truth of God. The whole will of God I made known to you. I wasn't afraid. Sometimes it's easy to withhold truth because uh, that's not going to go over too well. That's really going to rock the boat. Hey, God's Word says it. As a pastor, as an elder, as an overseer, I have, Scott has, Mitch has, and we haven't voted there yet, so Mitch keeps reminding me of that when I call him Pastor Mitch, he says, not yet. But we have the responsibility to be committed to preach everything of the Word of God, anything that would be helpful and then he says and I've taught you publicly from house to house now some people think that would have to do with with the whole church I think in the context he's saying to them as elders I don't think that I know that he's talking to the elders and he says I've taught you as elders I think that was part of Paul's raising up the elders of the church at Ephesus He went around teaching them. He was preparing them. He was equipping them. He's talking to the elders, not the church here. Now, they are part of the church, absolutely. But as he does that, he's he's talking about how committed he is. He went from house to house to teach them so that they would be able to serve God in the church at Ephesus. And then the last one, urgency. And I toyed with the idea of priority. Either way, the ministry of the work of God as a pastor, the church, is a priority. But that word urgency, folks, when, when I saw yesterday, I first saw about uh, Israel being attacked, and, and you know, you've seen it over the years enough that when Israel is attacked, they, they don't wait. They respond. And they have. And to think about, wow, what's going on? Paul says our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And we need to recognize all of this is in God's plan right here. And you can read all about the nation of Israel and how it fits and, and what's going on. And as that draws near, that means our day's are really more numbered than we probably realize. They are numbered. But again, who knows when that will be? Jesus could come at any minute. Before I'm done here this morning, there got to be a sense of urgency, folks. And here's what Paul says, verse 22. He says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, Verse 23, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. But what? It's a priority for Paul to obey God. Verse 24, however I consider my life worth nothing to me. Wow. My only aim, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. There it is. The grace of God. It's by grace that we are saved through faith. It's nothing that we can do, not of ourselves. It's the gift of God so that we can't boast about it our salvation Paul says I feel that sense of urgency I've got to do that that's the only thing that I'm concerned about my only aim my life is if if I'm going to lose my life things I'm told in verse 23 bad things are going to happen every time I turn around he said the spirit reminding me it's going to be rough Paul's like you know what It's not my life. My life is worth nothing. He says, my only aim is to finish the race, complete the task the Lord has given to me. That's what your pastors, any pastor, needs to be doing. Taxed with the urgency, the priority of the work of God. They live a life of integrity, of humility, of commitment, of urgency. And then they minister with, this is part of what they do. They minister with accountability, responsibility, leadership, provision, care. And they minister with a heart for protection. Now, let me walk through that again in Acts chapter 20. Because as we jump down to verse 28. When you study through this text, as you search the scriptures this week, To see if what I'm telling you is true. You dig through this chapter and and the other scriptures that I've shared with you. But verse 28, Paul says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. The accountability, he says, keep watch over yourselves. He starts with them. He's talking to the elders, the pastors of the church in Ephesus. And he's saying, you need to watch your own life first. You need to make sure that you are what you need to be before God. You need to make sure that you're not leading in hypocrisy, that you're not teaching one thing and living another, that you're not just teaching, but you're obeying the commands, Matthew 28. Keep watch over yourselves. I think there's also in this text... When that's happened, when Paul is telling the pastors to look at their own life, I think as he's saying that to all of them, I think they understand there's an accountability there amongst themselves as elders, as pastors. They hold each other accountable as well. So accountability. Paul, or the writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 13, we talked about Hebrews chapter 13, but when you go down to verse 17, it talks about, they keep watch over your soul as they who must give an account I will one day stand before the Lord of the judgment seat of Christ, not for my sin, but for an account of how I have shepherded this flock. Accountability. Secondly, responsibility. Paul says there in verse 20, "Start, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock, the whole church of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Responsibility, keep watch over the sheep, over all the flock that you've been tasked with overseeing. You as an elder, you as a pastor, Paul saying, must be responsible for that flock. You must oversee what's going on. You must guide them, direct them. Help them to understand what it is that God wants them to do and how they need to live. Responsibility. And then continued on in verse 28, he says, Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. We've been talking about the gospel this morning. Jesus paid your debt and my debt, our sin debt, with his blood when he went to the cross. It's the only way our sin can be forgiven. The only way and he says be shepherds of the church of God now being a shepherd means you provide leadership and direction sheep follow the shepherd you're you're going to take them to to where they need to go that's what a shepherd does if you think when we went through the 23rd psalm what is it that the shepherd does for those sheep he directs them he takes them to the still waters so they can lie down and rest or drink he leads them, and then we find out he feeds them, or it provides for them. He, he gets them the feeding, and I'm going to come back to that, but the feeding, the provision they need is the teaching of the Word of God. That's a shepherd's responsibility to teach the flock the truth of this Bible, and, and he says he provides that feeding, and then the care. That's what a shepherd does uh, does as well. We read in Scripture about the shepherd who leaves the 99 to go find the one, right? Why? Because he loves that one too, as much as he does the 99. So much so that he's not going to let one perish. That's the caring of a shepherd, be shepherds of the church of God. That's what shepherds do. But then we get to verse 29, and here's Here's the protection part of it, which has to do with teaching of the truth of God's word. Verse 29, I know that after I leave, Paul's talking to the pastors, the elders of the church in Ephesus, and he's saying, I won't be there anymore, so after I'm gone, you guys are there. Here's what's going to happen. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. The attack on the church. And he says, even from your own number, even from within, your own number, he says, uh, um, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. And when men come in and distort the truth and seek to pull people away, we often say when we talk about being a disciple, right? We're all disciples. Of something. It may not always be Jesus. We, may fo- we're all, we all follow something. He says, there will be men that will try to distort the truth and get you to follow them and their teaching, which is away from the truth of the gospel. Paul said to the churches in Galatia, he said, you know, there's another gospel that is being taught. In pre- I can't believe you've so soon after your salvation fallen away from that. And no, we need to hold on to the truth of the gospel, the protection that comes from the teaching of the word of God. And then he goes on in verse 30, he says, even, or verse 31, so be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you. Night and day with tears. And how is he protecting them? How is he warning them? How is he preparing them to, to not follow the distorted truth of false leaders? To get them to follow others? He says he's teaching them the truth. And that's what needs to happen. Folks, that's one of the things that happens here on a Sunday morning in this room, in this auditorium. But that's why we have a Heritage Institute in the second hour. So that you can learn. So that you can grow. So that you can understand what is true and what is not. So that you can understand when there are distorted things out there, false teachers trying to change, distort the truth, you know how to stand for the truth. That's why I'm not afraid to tell you this morning, dig into the scriptures. Search the scriptures yourself. to see if what I'm saying is true. Actually, not what I'm saying, but to see if what God is saying is true. So, pastors, elders, shepherds, overseers, bishops, leaders, spiritual leaders, they live a life of integrity or transparency. They live a life of humility, of commitment, of urgency or with a priority, and they minister with accountability, with responsibility, with leadership, with provision, with care, and with protection. And that's the teaching of the truth of the Word of God, the Bible. So what now? What do we do now with all of this? You say, wow, that's a, that, that, that's a lot of information. That's why you need to dig into the Scriptures. I started out by saying... Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. Receive the message, God's word with eagerness. That's what the Bereans did. And they examined it. To see if what Paul had been teaching was true. So what do you need to do? We need to receive the message, God's word. With eagerness. Do you have a hunger and a desire to know the truth? Now, yes, in the context in Berea, Paul's talking about the gospel. Because he was starting a church. He was teaching the believers. He was, or, or well, he was teaching the Jews who he wanted to have become believers. So he said, receive the message, God's word with eagerness. And then he says, examine it. Dig into it. Study it on your own. See, and that's where we get in trouble. Because often we just we hear something and we think we have it, we think we get it, but we haven't taken the time to make it ours, to dig into it and, and learn, examine it, to see if we really understand it and know, hey, did, did I really hear him say that? Is that what the truth is? Examine it. And that's, again, look at it. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness, and examine the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Verse 12, as a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. You examine the scriptures, it will bring a response. You'll know. So receive the message with eagerness, examine it, and believe it. Because this is God's truth. Examine this and determine what it says and then believe it. Let me pray. Father, thank you that you've not left us without truth to follow. You've set up the church to function in this world, in this day, right now for the glory of God, to make disciples of all nations. God, help us to know what your word says and to follow it, to examine it, to search all of it's there so that we know what you've said and what you've taught. Father, if there's any here today that do not know Jesus, I pray that you would open their hearts, cause them to realize that their sin can be forgiven but only by Jesus Christ and his blood that he shed for us on the cross. Oh God, stir hearts of those who don't know you and for those of us who do, God, fire us up to know your word. As we see life around us deteriorating, changing, wars, wars, Oh God, help us to realize we need to be about the truth of the gospel with urgency. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen.